Podcast. You are with myself, Nathan, and my co-host, Edwin. Our special guest is an Olympian representing the Nigerian basketball team. She has experience playing in multiple countries that includes Hungary, Portugal, Germany, and France. She attended Savannah State University and was a regular for their basketball team. She was the first woman basketball player in Division One history to score more than a thousand points in both high school and college. A warm welcome to our special guest, Ezian Kalu. How are you, Ezian? Thank you for the introduction. I'm doing well. How are you two doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. You are our second basketball guest, um, our first Nigerian um, representative. So I have so many questions for you. Um, <laughs> the research that both Ed and I have been doing, um, it's just, yeah, it just makes this pod definitely very, very exciting. So yeah, personally, I'm looking forward to it. Um, we have a ritual and it's always to ask our guests their first living memory of a, oh yeah, their first living memory of a sport, either playing or watching. Uh, I think my first living room was actually playing when I first picked up the ball to play. Okay. Because I didn't, my first instinct was not to play basketball at all. Okay. So when I started to learn in third grade, um, just the memory the next day of actually starting to play and being like, wow, this is something that I love to do. This is something that's fun. I want to go again. I can't wait to wake up the next day and train or I can't wait to go to practice the next day. That was just like a memory I won't forget. I think both of you got better memories than me because I don't remember mine <laughs> at all, at all. So, so, so when it comes to sport, was that the only sport you played at the beginning, or you played quite a few sports? No, I played volleyball as well in high school. I played up until my uh, senior year, and it was perfect because volleyball season and basketball season go hand in hand. You have the volleyball season that happens, and then I'm getting in shape for basketball okay. season. So that went on pretty well, and I had fun doing it. It was amazing. And then obviously I was better at basketball. I ended up getting the basketball scholarship, so I ended up sticking with that. Okay, that's really interesting. So um, both team sports. Um, in terms of the team or the group dynamics in both sports, what do you think were some of the differences? Um, not much, really. Well, like uh, Edward was saying earlier, I think the mindset of the athletes. You know, everybody had their own style of playing. Everybody had their own preparation, their own rituals their own way of getting better at a sport that they love. And I think that's what separated everybody. You know, players in my team for volleyball, you, got, you had girls who wanted to play beach volleyball. You had girls who wanted to play professional basketball versus on basketball team, you had girls that wanted to be the WNBA or, or play overseas. It's just the mindset for accomplishing that goal was completely different. And it was it was amazing to kind of see how day-to-day -day people go to that training or practices and to reach that goal. Mm. At what age did you get to and you thought, actually, I think I could take this professionally? Um, college. Mm. I feel like uh, after I got my scholarship to Savannah State, I really knew that, wow, this, uh, my mom didn't have to pay for school. I obviously did something I'm good at. I know I could be great at it. And when my coach instilled in me motivation and just hard work and dedication, I knew that if I wanted to take it to the next level, I mean, I had to dive into that, those motives and... And that's what I did. 
That's interesting. So you said it was really college, but um, you know, so if you mentioned we mentioned in the intro, so you were the first woman basketball player in Division One history, you know, to attain more than a thousand points, and that was at both high school and college. And you actually corrected me um, before recording, and it was actually in high school you got two thousand points. So. Yeah. Actually, um, I guess my question to you is how comes you did not have that mindset or you you had that um, that thought process that actually I could make it professional? That's a great question. Um, because where I grew up from, I'm from I'm born and raised in North New Jersey and people like me don't make it out of there. So I knew I had the, I had the confidence. I knew I had the talent. I just didn't know how far I could take it. And then when I got that full basketball scholarship, when, when my college coach, Coach Baker, traveled 13 hours from George, from Savannah, Georgia to North New Jersey to sit on my couch and tell my mom, I want your daughter to come play for me. I knew right then and there, wow, this talent could take me so much, so much farther. And the conf the little bit of confidence that I had in high school only got grew stronger and harder. And I'm like, wow, I, I can do this. Mm. And every day, every game, every college game, every record I broke, just every practices and all the meetings with my coaches, every day I was just learning more and more that I can do this as a, at a professional level if I just keep keep at it, keep on the path and stay focused. And how much um, how much impact were your family when you decided to pursue it? My mom, first of all, my mom was my biggest supporter. Um, mm. I can do no wrong with her eyes. She actually told me how to play, and she never played a day in her life. <laughs> so that was that was an amazing in, in itself. But my family, uh, they supported me 100%. They were always there, you know, at the games as much as they could. Obviously, they had their, you know, their families and their lives as well. But, you know, they, they were always instilled on, on family and being there to support each other. And then um, once I made it to college, my mom was able to, you know, fly in for the college games, drive down. And my dad was pretty supportive as well. Okay. How was it for you in the first few weeks at Savannah State, you know, when you really get in, I guess, comfortable with your teammates? Um, do you remember any, were there any kind of circumstances that stood out for you? And how were the senior players um, with you? Did anyone take you under their wing? You know what's crazy? Homecoming is yeah. what my was the I I signed uh, the day I signed was uh, Shannon Sharp's birthday. Actually, me and him have the same birthday. I don't know if you guys know who Shannon Sharp is. No, Shannon he, Sharp isn't he on? He's a um, yeah, I think I do. Isn't he on? He's on one of the channels, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now, the day I signed at Savannah State, he was there, and it was also homecoming. Okay. Yeah. I knew what I was walking into. Now, transfer to uh, get to the part where I, I now am arriving on, arriving on campus. Yeah. It was I'm back at homecoming now. So those first two weeks was just fun. You know, being able to meet the, the teammates was amazing. One of my, um, actually, one of the, this is a sad story. One of the players that actually took me on her when Courtney Long passed away a few years mm -hmm. ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, she took me up under her wing because she was the, one of the leads of the team. And, it, you know, just the experience there was amazing. She, you know, she paved the way there. She told me, just just come in here and do the work. That's all you got to do. And in terms of relationship with players um, on the court, were there ever players that it just clicked with straight away and some players that you um, didn't get that dynamic straight away? Yeah, and that happens. Mm. I feel like um, with players, it's, it's always good to not just have chemistry on the court, but off the court as well. So I'm going to make sure my thing is on. Do not sure. 
Um, yeah, I think it's important to build that relationship off the court as well, first before anything. Um, and that's what I used to try to do. I mean, I didn't always get along with the players. It's normal, you know, with women, it's going to happen, even with me being a butthead sometimes. But uh, what I'll try to do is just try to build a better relationship off the court. You know, maybe it's something I said, or maybe it's maybe we're not hanging out enough, or maybe we're not talking more. So, you know, there was different dynamics of relationships, but we always find a way to work it out on the court to, to win games. So that's what it was all about. That's interesting. So um, I think I've mentioned this on a pod before, but uh, so it, over here in soccer, we have a lot of players, I guess, in the last 10, 15 years that were teammates, but they, they didn't speak. They never really spoke to each other. So I really want you to just go back. Was there a time when you was at Savannah State where you fell out with maybe one of your teammates? You don't need to go into the intricacies, but what I guess I'm trying to get out of you is how did you ensure that your feelings towards that teammate did not um, transfer onto the field? Yeah. Honestly, I just made sure I, I looked at the, the moral of the game and I was supposed to win. And in order to do that, we had to play together. Even if we never talked a day in our life outside the lines, once you step on the court, it could be a good pass or a handshake or me help her off off the floor, just mm -hmm. giving her words of encouragement to make her feel comfortable enough to be with me on, on, the, on the court. And I think that's where, you know, it, it has to happen sometimes. You have to let the game create the relationship. Yeah. Being a, a professional basketball player, there's many times you spend away from home. How easy do you find it to be away from home? Are you one of those people that um, find it straightforward? Because I know that some people, when they're away, it's, it's a bit of a struggle for them. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that, Ellen, because I am okay with mm. it. You know, sometimes... I get a little homesick, but that's normal during the holidays, you know, Christmas, you want to be around family. But I think what helped was being away from being away from home during college. Okay. You know, think about it. I, I grew up in New Jersey. Savannah is 13 hours away. So being away in college for those five years kind of already adapted me from being away from home. So when I came overseas, it was easy for me to translate that being away from home college experience to now being away a little further from home. You know, but I do get homesick. I want to be home on the holidays, but that's the power of FaceTime and iPhone sometimes. Now I can, you know, be in a Zoom, on a Zoom call or, or Riverside now. Talk with family. In terms of your mindset, because straight away it's it's clear that you, you have a, a bit of an elite and a different mindset um, compared to, you know, your average um, individual. So I guess my question would be, um, did New Jersey, was there anything that you, that New Jersey taught you that helped you um, throughout your time um, as a professional and college? Um, I think New Jersey told me for the most part is if you if you have a dream or a goal, keep chasing it. Don't let anybody tell you that you that you can't do it. Don't make nobody feel like you know you can't believe yourself to accomplish that goal. And you know, just be you and do you. Um, all my life, I've, I've, I've always been unapologetically me. And I think that's what separates me from a lot of people because, yeah, I care about what you say, but I'm not going to let what you say affect me. Yeah. If, I have, if I have a goal or if I have a dream or if I have, you know, just an inkling or a gut feeling about something, I'm going to go get it. And I know, you know, the path to that goal may not always be easy, but I'm down, you know, to to create that create that path, whether to make it smooth for myself or, or go through the trenches for it. And in terms of your mindset... What would you say are the best qualities that you possess? And what would you say are the qualities that you think you could improve? 
on or off the court or just overall overall um wow you guys are tough (laughs) (laughs) um honestly I, I feel like I cannot be so hard on myself like um I think I think one of the one of the downfalls of of having that gotta get a mindset is that I don't allow myself to accept failure sometimes or accept that okay this time didn't work but I have time to improve on it. I have time to kinda get better at it. And I think that I'm I'm really too hard on myself sometimes. And I can use now for example, uh this season we we're four games in. And you know, some days I don't I feel like some games I feel like I could have played better and some days I feel like I can't I didn't do enough for my team. And that's okay, you're gonna have those days, but I can't get into that I can't get into that mindset that I have to be stuck there. And I think that, you know, me being so hard on myself is forcing me to feel like I always gotta exceed expectations of other people when all I gotta do is just exceed my own expectations of myself. Mm-hmm. And just take a minute to just breathe and know, okay, mine is set back. Next day is different. Next day is different. So I think I could just lighten up on myself a little bit. Okay. How would you describe yourself um, in training? So for me personally, <laughs> I was a bit of a lazy trainer. Um, so how would you describe yourself? Um, I would say I'm, I like to be... Hmm, can I say game ready? Because I treat every practice like a game. Yeah. I feel like I'm a firm believer in you practice how you play. So if I'm being relaxed in, in the layup drills or if I'm not focusing on my free throws, when it comes game time, I'm not prepared and I'm not knocking them down. So I'm taking every situation as if I'm in a game, I'm going hard, you know, I'm being energetic because I feel like with me being one of the leaders here on my team, my, my teammates feed off that energy. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be days where it's slower than others, but I feel like for the most part, I'm always in that game ready, you know, kind of in it, kind of, kind of pacing, you know, because I, I want to get better. I'm not, I'm not going to get better by being lackadaisical. Hmm. So I know for myself, when it comes to to sport, what I eat before I exercise has an impact on how I perform. So how is that for you, being an elite athlete? Because you, you do get some elite who follow a strict diet and eat healthily, and you do get some who just eat anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm letting you know right now, I'm not one of those athletes <laughs> who always watch what I eat, but I do. I think I do have a pretty good diet. Um, I don't eat red meat or pork. Okay. I typically eat like you know the casual seafood, chicken. Um, I don't mind a couple. I don't mind duck. Have you guys had yeah. duck? It's really. I good. like duck. It's actually, <laughs> it's actually really good. But um, I don't really have a strict diet. Uh, I eat what I want because I feel like you know I, I'm gonna retrain my body to get rid of those toxins or or bad food that I'm eating. And um, in the mornings, as far as breakfast goes, I feel like that's the most important meal, especially for me. Hmm. But I get up early, and I need that. Uh, I need that that energy to be put back, put back in me. Especially after, like after today, I, I just traveled almost six hours, and I have to get get up in the morning for training. So all I have to, you know, actually re reprogram my body now for the next day. And I don't mind a, a bowl of oatmeal in the morning. Interesting. So you know, for your professional team, do they not have a nutritionist, or do they not have, I guess, advisors? Um, that help you with yeah. your health? No. 
that's the difference between playing overseas and in the WNBA. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, um, yeah. Overseas, depending on where you go, depending on where you play, uh, what country you're playing in. France is a really good country to play in, one of the most competitive leagues. Yeah. And, you know, they do provide the necessary care, like the physical therapists, the massage therapists. They have, you know, good facilities for, for recovery, but they don't, they haven't got quite to the, the nitty gritty with the nutrition. Yeah. You know all those people uh, who who can provide those meals or meal perks for you. So I I rely on myself for that. You know Google is have never failed me once. You know as far as meal prepping and <laughs> recipes. Yeah, you know, they don't they don't have that over here. What would you say so far has been the most challenging moment in your career? Wow. Um, the most challenging. I would have to say the long seasons, honestly, because I feel like, um, I don't know if you know this, Edwin, but I, I play all year yeah. round pretty much. You know, my seasons uh, in France is from September to about April, yeah. May. And when I'm with my national team, that's that started about June and it goes to about August. Wow. So I don't really, I get maybe one or two months out of the year, every year, to have a little break to myself. And you know, some days I'm not gonna lie, I feel it wearing tearing on my body, and that's when I that's when I have to, you know, really step up on my recovery yeah. game. But you know, that takes a toll, and sometimes, you know, being able to bounce back so quick or or play back to back games, it, it can be harder on the body. And I think that you know, that's now I'm be older, or older, I'm gonna be 30 next yeah. year. <laughs> but it's it's gonna be time for me to you know start playing shorter seasons where I can, you know, really fully take care of my body and not, you know, give myself a little break sometimes, not, you know, stress myself so much. How do you recover? Um, do you do the ice cold baths? Uh, do yes. you have physiotherapy? Like, yeah, what, uh, yeah, what, what yes. some of the things that you do? Ice cold baths are my favorite. Um, how long do you stay in there? That's what I need to know. How long yes. do you stay in there? The max I do is about 10 minutes. What? I, yeah, I know. I know some athletes depend. Yeah, yeah. You are good. Depending on the temperature, I know some athletes uh, do seven minutes, some do ten. It's a variety of numbers. Wow. I try to see ten minutes, and it's not as bad. The first, the first two minutes are the worst because you feel <laughs> you feel the ice cold water literally on your bones. Wow. But after that, but I'm telling you, Nathan and Edwin. But after that, it's, it's relieving. You yeah. Know, breaks have lifted off my body. If I'm not doing ice baths, um, I'm just getting the general massages from the massage therapist. I'm using my massage gun that I have, you know, stretching. That helps as well. I stretch before and after every game, yeah. mm-hmm. even after traveling, because that helps as well. A lot of people don't know that, you know, you're, when you're traveling, when you're in games, and after the game, your muscles are getting tight and you're, you have to relieve, the, relieve that stress. So I make sure okay. I you know, it's important that I do that as well. I think people don't realize, some people don't realize how important stretching is because even over the last year that we've had when some of us have been spending more time at home and then once we start exercising, we start feeling pains and aches and that's because our, our bodies are not as flexible as, as they were before um, because yeah. we've been stuck in that position. So it's, it's so vital to stretch. Right, exactly. So in, in terms of setbacks, what, what would you say are the the biggest setbacks and how have you overcome them my biggest setbacks were my injuries Mm. i don't i've had i broke my thumb i broke my ankle i broke my wrist i tore my acl and i tore my rotator wow wow yeah i think the worst of all those setbacks was my acl 
since Nathan, like we were talking about before we filmed, that yeah. was the year um, when I came back to the, the, the rest of the season to be the leading scorer of that season. Yeah. I told my ACL December 2012 against Florida, it was 10 minutes and 35 minutes left in the first quarter. Oh, wow. And that was so heartbreaking for me because I'm like, wow, I never, like I've always heard about injuries and for for some reason for basketball women's basketball the acl tear was like the career ending injury like mm. so i was when that happened to me i was devastated like i i was just an emotional wreck and um i i wanted to quit but we had a we had the athletic trainer at savannah state clint i wish i, I wish i remember his last name but his name was clint and the rehab and the therapy he put me through i got surgery january 2012. Mm. I was clear to play June. Wow. Off the ACL toe. That same year, Nathan. Wow. That is mad. So, <laughs> that is. Yeah. After I got that surgery, we worked all summer. He got my he got my knee back together. And he just said, listen, if you want to do this, it's gonna hurt. You're gonna cry, you're gonna hate me. But if you want to come back, let me get you ready. Wow, but did and I went but in I went through but going, go going yeah, but going through that, because I know there's a lot of elite athletes that come back quick, but they 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 struggle to get to their best level. Um, was how was that for you? Yeah, it was it wow. was tough. Uh, specifically the practices, mm. because now here I am coming out of surgery, uh, going through this therapy, having to wear this ugly knee brace now. All of it, all of this is replaying back in my mind. I guess I'm getting on the court at practices. I'm scared. I'm not being aggressive because I'm thinking I'm going to hurt myself again. Or I'm thinking my knee is not strong enough. But what I was missing was that mindset that of that road that I took to get to where I am, to get to the knee brace. You mm. know, he said I would cry. He said I would hate him. But he said the work that I'll put in will lead to the moment of being on the court. So that transition, you know, was, was really hard for me. I couldn't find myself after a while, but... Thank God for my coach. Like I said, he was always uh, one of the backbones of the team. A few of my teammates, they just motivated me. And I just try, you know, my best to just try to, you know, be 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 on myself and say, listen, you know, just take it day by day. You know, you've you've gone through the you've gone through the darkness already. You back on the court. Now it's the it's time to, you know, re regain that strength that you know you had. Wow. Um, I think we shouldn't underestimate the fact that you came back and you was leading point scorer in that same year. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we need absolutely. to we need to talk about that. We definitely yeah, need to talk about okay. that. How did you do that? Like, what was the mindset and what were your goals? So you know, the, when you first came back, your first game, what was your goal? Like, was it to still be the the leading point scorer? My goal was mama mentality. I was not about that. I was not about to let that. I was not about to let that new brace define me. And I wasn't about to let that injury define me. I didn't want to be one of those players that that it was stories that, oh, she had an ACL tear, but she's not she's not the same player anymore. I did not that was the worst thing yeah. you could read in the in the head of a player of, of a paper. Mm. And um I just had the mindset to just go get it. And I I knew that in order to do that, it was grind mode every day. Mm. I became a gym rat. I became more about, you know, the I became more about the recovery now. Because now it's even more important, and I just had that mindset of eat. And this, this is, I think all athletes know what this means. If y'all don't act, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and that was it. Really, just mama's mentality and, and and go after it. And 
and that was my plan to uh to win a championship as well. We didn't win we didn't win that next year, but 2015 when I graduated, we ended up winning. Mm. That was the first one uh in the MIAC history as well. Wow. Yeah, so it was it was Bramo, member mentality. Wow. We we've we've heard that quite a few times and it just shows you how um how having that mindset was oh. yeah having having that mindset really does make a massive difference um in t- in terms of trying to bring out the best in one mm-hmm. yeah so speak to us about how does it feel like to play for nigeria wow it honestly it, it's amazing mm. I started playing uh, with the, the junior national team back in 2010. Yeah. That's how I first started. Actually, the assistant coach of my Savannah State team got me involved with that. And then uh, two years later, I got selected to play for the senior national team. And it's been it's been pretty fun since then. Um, currently, right now, we're, we're having family issues, you know, yeah. at the yeah. And that's something that I can't get into yeah. right now. Yeah. But... Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's a blessing playing for a country of over 280 million people. And, and I love it. You know, anytime I wear the jersey, I know that, you know, the supporters are proud and happy for us. And, and we're doing great things. We're making history. We just won our third championship in a row at Apple Basket. So that was amazing. Um, we've gone to the Olympics. So we're just, we're just continuing to, uh, to hit milestones. And I'm proud of us. Do you feel do you feel a different type of pressure because yeah you just mentioned you know it's 280 million um people that you are quote unquote you know representing um whereas when you're just playing for a team it's just it's just the team so do do you feel that men do you feel that pressure or is it just the same it's just an, it's just another game Uh honestly it's just sometimes it's the same I feel like when we play against major tournaments and maybe it's one of like the Olympics or the World Cup or Afro Basket, the expectation is a lot higher. So I do feel a little, a little of the pressure. But then when I do come overseas, it's like a weight lifts off me. You know, because mm-hmm. I don't have to play for a team of people. I don't have to, you know, always do do the right thing in the eyes of the people. And and it kind of, yeah, it's, it's just a weight lifts off me. But for the most part, it, I try to just look at the pressure as just a, another way of, you know, getting being mentally strong for the game. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a bit about how it felt to go to an Olympic Games. That was an amazing experience. Like, um, the Tokyo within itself is so far before its time, mm. you know, as far as the infrastructure, as far as the, the cleanliness, as far as the people, and just how innovative that they are over there with, you know, with everything they have going on. And the fact that they were able to create an Olympic village, you know, for all these different athletes from all over the world in a matter of what, almost two, three years. And it, it was just amazing. And and I would never forget it. You know, being there with, you know, all these different sports I've never even heard of or never even seen. Quick question. Yeah. Have you guys ever heard of artistic swimming? <laughs> no. 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 Yes? Okay, exactly. <laughs> Mind blown, right? There's synchronized swimming. Yeah. There's regular swimming, obviously, in their events, but there's also artistic swimming. Oh. So imagine, imagine Michael Jackson in the water. Okay, okay. Like these girls, and I, I uh, on the Olympic. Let me tell you guys a little bit about the Olympic Village. Mm. So the Olympic Village had about maybe nine or ten courts, okay. and in these courts you have uh, about maybe eight or nine floors. Each floor is a different country. Okay. okay. You, have, you may have Nigeria. Uh, Nigeria was on the seventh, eighth floor. You may have Egypt on the sixth floor, Turkey on the third floor, Canada on the first mm. floor. 
So it was so many different teams. So one day, uh, my, my team and I were coming back from, from lunch. By the way, they had a, a 24-hour buffet on the, on the village. You could eat, eat, eat at any time. Wow. Like all types of cuisine. <laughs> so anyway, we're coming back from the village. We're coming back, to, uh, leaving the lunchroom to head into the port. And we just see these girls. We, we, they have their heads in like these chairs that you put your head in. But we just see their legs and arms moving. <laughs> they're doing these moves that like, wow, like they're like, how, how is this happening? She's, she's only balancing on her neck right now. And I'm like, is it like, what sport is this? And he said, artistic swimming. You know, that next day they have the competition and I cannot get my eyes off the television. Wow. It was just amazing. And to like, to be, to be, um, be able to witness these type of sports, yeah. it was just like, wow, like I had no idea. That's the thing about Olympic games. It's just so many different sports, a variety of sports. Yeah. Even this one, watching, What's it? Um, was it BMX? BMX. And yeah, just... yeah that, that was really popular there. Yeah, BMX was was good. Yeah, but overall, the the experience was amazing to be able to see other athletes, uh, to get a couple of pictures, and just to hear other people's stories sometimes and trade uh, paraphernalia, uh, mem- memorabilia, sorry, or you know, pins. It was it was it was amazing. What was your biggest lesson that you've taken from Tokyo? Wow, um, my biggest lesson. You guys are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've never got this stumped many times on questions before. Um, I think my biggest lesson was that don't take life for granted. And I say that because if I take, if I tell my ten-year-old self mm. that I would be playing in the most prestigious tournaments in the world, I would have looked at you like you had two heads. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to go through everything I went through, good and bad, you know, it's life and to see friends and family, you know, be be gone along the way. It's just that, wow, like you can you can experience something amazing if you just stay on the right path and, you know, pray to God and and, and be grateful for every day that you have because you, you you couldn't you couldn't be here if if you didn't plan for this or work towards this, and not not everybody get the opportunity. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Gr- growing up, what athletes stood out to you in terms of their mindset? My top one, I would say, Kathy Pondexter. Okay. She uh she's from Chicago. She played in WBA. She recently retired, but uh, she went to Rutgers University and. You know, just her mindset of, um, you know, of, and her work ethic and her dedication to the game was, was so inspiring. And yeah, I, I've always watched her play when she came at Rutgers and, and New York Liberty and at the Sun, and it was just always a, you know, always a good thing to see on the court. Yes, I want to take it back a bit um, with regards to Savannah State. And it's only because, um, so we spoke just before we started recording about you being um, leading point scorer in all four years. Um, did you ever feel the pressure? Um, so say, for example, in your, um, I forgot what you call first years. I know second year, sophomore. What's the f- What's the first year in college? Freshman. That's it, freshman, yeah. So freshman and sophomore, yeah. So you were leading point scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel the pressure going into, you know, your, your third year and, and senior year? Yeah, I did feel the pressure because now I've I've created this this 
this person that people know what I'm capable of. You know, mm. they've seen they seen the best I can play. Now that's all they want to see. It's mm. no room for failure. It's no room for a bad game, or it's no room for to to not succeed or win. And you know, going into my senior, going into my junior year after the ACL injury, and then going into my senior year, hoping to win a championship, I knew that I can't disappoint people. Like my family counting me, my team is counting me, my coaches counting me. Yeah. Let me to do the job. Yeah, they yeah they had to help me, they had my support, but I wanted to lose on the team, and I have to step up and I have to you know break barriers, and I did feel that feel that pressure for mm. sure. In in a lot of sport now, um, a lot of athletes have sport psychologists. How was it like for you? I'm happy you asked that because I I need one. I feel like uh, mental health is so important. Yeah. And um, there are some times where, you know, players don't always feel like they're performing well or they feel like they're in a space where they're in a funk or whether they're playing good or playing bad, they just always, they just need an outlet outside of their yeah. family. Because I feel like sometimes they're just going to tell you what you want to hear. You know, you have a, you have a few of them who are going to be real with yeah. you. But the family, I feel like with the psychologist, with the poor psychologist or, or, or a mental health coach, somebody to talk to. It's more they can they can get to the to the to the grit of things to figure out okay what's why do you feel like you're not performing well why do you think this why they can get to the root of things and I think that's important now and I'm actually looking for one um, I've reached out to a, to quite a few people who hmm. who um, who was recommended to me so I'm doing that as well okay. and not because I feel like something is wrong because I feel like it's it's nice to have an outlet sometimes yeah. to be able to talk about the game whether you perform well or not and. I feel like that's that's important as well. You know that 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 mental health topic is always considered a sensitive conversation. Mm. It shouldn't be. You know, we mm. should be, we should feel comfortable being able to talk about what we're going yeah. through outside of sports, especially being overseas. Because it's not easy. You know, being away from home or or wh- whatever job you have, you always feel like you have to perform well. So it's always good to have some extra outlet. So I'm a firm believer in sports psychologists, and I'm all for that. That's interesting. I think Ed, we're gonna definitely promote this part um so psychologists can see do you know what ed i know you can read yeah, yeah. telepathically <laughs> yeah. there is one person that well there's a couple but there's definitely one that i know that both ed and i both know um would be perfect for you so um when we stop recording we'll send okay, you their okay. details for sure for sure i appreciate that yeah um my next question is so well before the question i just want to say that i really respect you now the reason why i respect you is because you've gone to so many different countries um and it's it's really that 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 fearless mentality just going to different countries and knowing that you're going to you know have to adapt and learn the you know the various styles in the game so i guess uh, my question the question i have is what was your least um ex- what was your your what was your worst experience and oh straight oh. Right. <laughs> okay <laughs> now you know portugal was my first year playing yeah. professional mm-hmm. you know it's portugal is one of those first year countries you go to when you just starting out when you're looking to get professional experience and when I got over there, my first year I played in a, in a city called Torres Novos. Yeah. Now that that let me give you a description of that city. That city is it's kind of like uh, the the old days mindset, okay. you know, where you have the the white couples mm. to a certain type of change or yeah, okay. to change. Yep. And 
there was times where I would go into restaurants and didn't really feel welcome, mm. or there were times at games where you know things would be said to me, and that made me feel uncomfortable. But then again, I'm, I'm brought there to do a job. Mm. That was to play basketball, and outside of that, you know, they didn't care about what happened outside of that, and I think that's what made it difficult to play there. You know, had they, you know, I can I could have gone through you know the hatred of of the, of those people. But if I had the support of my coaches and support of, you know, the staff that they had there, things I probably could adapt a little more. Yeah. But because I didn't have that, and now I'm away from home, I'm here with a team who told me that I would be protected, that who told me that, you know, I'll come in and play basketball, that they care about me, blah, blah. Now I get here, and now I'm just a player. So it was really hard to play in that type of circumstance. Obviously, I, I, I stuck it out for the whole year, but I did not go back to that team. And... Yeah, the, the the second year in Portugal was a lot better because now I was in the city. Okay. You know? Yeah, I'm around college kids, players, kids who look yeah. like me. You mm. know, like the city who has adapted to change and who who are innovative and people who are you know dressing how they want and not judging anybody. Yeah. And I feel like, and when people always ask me how's your overseas experience, it's just sometimes it varies. You know, some years are better than others. Now, what if I would have said my first year was hard? Well, I'm not going back. Mm. Absolutely. So mm. my second year was like, wow, okay, maybe that first experience wasn't what I wanted because there's certain location. But when I gave it a chance to another 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 round, I'm like, wow, I, I really love this. Yeah. I could I could actually I could actually do long term. It may not always be pretty, but you know, at the end it it can be something beautiful. Yeah, definitely. Would you would you say yeah. with your first year that you felt like there was extra eyes on you when you were playing because of how it was over there? Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, anytime you go overseas, the American player always is supposed to be the best. They're always supposed to put in a show yeah. because they're so used to just watching the play on TV, never never in real yeah. life. So there was a lot of expectations for me. You know, you did have some fans who used to stay after games and have posters for me and have, you know, let me sign in jerseys. Yeah. And, and that made me even, you know, want to go even harder, yeah. even though I wasn't from there. You know, some, some countries I, I would try to learn the language, like Portuguese I would learn. Yeah. Um, German was hard, and, <laughs> and Hungarian was hard. Wow, Hungarian! Yeah, <laughs> can you, do you know any words no. in Hungarian? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really hard, but uh, you know, for the most part, I think one of the experiences taken away from it was you know seeing those little fans or seeing a little girl wanting me to sign her basketball. That's what made it, you know made the experience better. Sounds silly, um, but there's a reason why I'm asking it. I'm going to ask you this. Um, what made you decide to learn the languages? Because there are a lot of soccer players mm. <laughs> um, from, namely South America, that will come over to England, <laughs> and they'll they will they ref, they just refuse. They won't they won't learn English. Um, obviously, it doesn't have an impact on their you know on field performance. But it's interesting that yourself, you said, yeah, no matter where you've gone, you've tried to learn the language. So why, what made you decide to learn the language? Because honestly, I feel like when you go overseas or, or any country, it's about being open-minded and being able to, you know, at least communicate with people or, you know, kind of understand where, where they're coming from. To you, to, to them, you're foreign as well. Yeah. So they're trying to understand you. Interesting, yeah. You're, you're going to them foreign as well. So it has to be equal exchange. If I'm If they're... If they're speaking the language that I can, if they're speaking the language in their hometown, the least I can do is try to learn and communicate with them in their in their comfortability, even if that means me stepping out of my comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I think that you know whether it was just learning how to say hi and bye, or 
you know, what time it is or directions just because I got lost yeah. or knowing what I want to order on the menu. Yeah. <laughs> Little things like that, you know, just, you know, trying to stay connected with, with the environment and with the people. I feel like that, that actually also made me more personable as well to let people know, yeah, I'm a player on the court, but if you see me out on the street, you can talk to yeah. me, you can say hi. Yeah. It, it makes a difference because like what Nathan said, there is so many that don't bother to learn the language. And then when things start to go wrong, that's the first thing that is thrown at them. Yeah, I yeah, I understand that. And I think um I think a lot of people sometimes maybe aren't just aren't comfortable, yeah. you know, with learning language learning the yeah. language, or they think it might be too hard or you know, I, I've even had a couple of times where I try to learn the language and my teammates make fun of me. So I'm kind of <laughs> shy now and you know. So maybe it's just a, a, a bit of a fear. Yeah you know, want to learn it and not know how to speak it and being so foreign in the country. Now you're also foreign to the language. So now I'm like, wow, I have to play ball and learn the language. So I think, you know, once it depends on the person, once you get comfortable with it, it it'll be easy to adjust. In terms of teammates, because you just mentioned teammates, um, what, who were your best um, teammates um, since you've been going overseas? Um, and what kind of attributes and characteristics did they bring that you loved? Um, that's not fair. <laughs> you don't have to say names. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, some of my best uh, teammates brought attributes of just pure motivation. Um hunger mm. um uh, responsibility and and leadership as yeah. well i feel like um a lot of times when playing sports you you're given a specific position to play right like say i don't know what the terms are in, in football but mm. for basketball i played the, the shooting guard position god yeah and just because i play the shooting guard position it doesn't mean that i'm not able to do other things on the yeah. court and i feel like you know quite a few of the teammates that I've had always instilled to me, listen, be a, you're a dimensional player. You can do so many different things. Don't limit yourself to one thing on the court. Right. And that's what I love about having teammates who are willing to see the good things in me and, and bring, it, bring it out of me, even if I don't see it myself. And I think that's what I've had all the years of playing, you know, playing against girls who are going to be super competitive against me because they know, oh, as an is going to compete back with yeah. me. You know, she's gonna, she's, we're going to go head to head every time. And I think, uh, the time that they they were making me better, I was kind of helping them as well. And those attributes, you know, having that leadership, having somebody you can really look at and say, wow, like, okay, this is who I want next to me on the bench. This is who I want, you know, hyping me up. This is who I want, you know, being out there on the court, you know, when it's one second left or five seconds left on the clock and we need a basket. Mm -hmm. uh, things like that is, is is what I really remember. And I'm not going to say no names. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Told <laughs> to get you in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in terms of position was was that something that you chose or was that something that a coach saw interesting uh, that was something i kind of just grew into yeah. i'm only five eight and the average height for a guard is about six foot five between five eight and six yeah. foot um and it's crazy because for my national team i played the one the point guard position okay and for my uh for the team i'm playing now in front i'm on the wing so i don't have to you know, control the ball anymore. Yeah. I can just get it and go, yeah. you know, be, be free and not have to, you know, direct traffic or, or the floor general out there. 
I think outside three-pointers, um, one of the most interesting parts of basketball is when a basketball player, they they're having a bad game yes so they get taken off but then they you know they get the opportunity to come back on and redeem themselves have you can you think of a time where you had a bad period um and you had to come back on how what i really want to get out of you how do you calm yourself down knowing that you need to come back on in 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 a matter of five minutes ten minutes how do you do that I just, well, that moment actually happened. Uh, it was against uh, North Korea to qualify for the, for the, uh, for the World Cup when I hit the game-winning shot. I don't, know if I, I'm, I don't know if you guys have the video, but I'm going to send okay. it to you. Yeah. I haven't made a three all game. I was, I was shooting well. I couldn't make a free throw. It just, it just wasn't my night. But the fourth quarter, with about five seconds left, I hit the game-winning shot. And that was a three I hit all game. And, you know... I just told at the halftime, I just told myself, listen, you're not playing like yourself. Mm -hmm. You're not being as name that you know that you could be. And whatever it is, just let it go. I took a deep breath. I calmed myself. I shook it off. And I just went out there and played. Even though I still didn't score the third quarter up until the last few seconds, I just brought a different type of energy. You know, I was doing other things now. I wasn't scoring, but I was getting rebounds. I was diving on the floor. I was being community, I was talking out there. I was firing my team up. There was other things I was bringing to the court that I didn't know that was there, but I needed. They needed it at that moment. And then when that shot became available to me, all that good energy poured right back into okay. me. I knocked that shot down. Mm-hmm. After the key, and I'll make sure I see out the video. Yeah, make sure. Definitely. In term, in terms of um, coaches, have there ever been coaches that have? Um, affected your confidence by the way they speak and what they say? Um, no, I don't think so. Mm. Only because I've always been tough-skinned. Yeah. And there's not really much you can say to me to, to kind of get down on myself or to make me feel like I'm not, you know, trying to put my best foot forward. And, and also, to our time to be so sensitive. Yeah. Um, also, whether or not the coach likes me, I feel like, you know, on, on the court, just like players, coaches have a certain mindset too. Yeah. yeah. That's okay, and I feel like you know, with coaches, they just most of the time they want to see the best in you. They want to see you, you know, strive, and they want to see you do great things. And you know, some of the things that they say is not always personal, and I try not to look at it as personal because there's 12 players on the court. Why would it, why would I think it's just personal for me? Mm-hmm. So I, I try not to, you know, let let words like that really, really, um, really get to me. If anything, if I whatever I hear is positive reinforcement. Okay. <laughs> In terms of the countries that you've played in, um, in terms of rival fans, who, which country has the most hostile fans? Ooh. The most hostile will probably be Hungary. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, Hungary have some hostile fans. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because, you know, that's just their fans. That's the way they love basketball so much. Mm. But yeah, they were... And and these were the type of fans that if we have road games, they're get they're written a, a team bus. Wow. <laughs> wow. They, have, they have their scarves, they have yeah. their mugs, you yeah. know, they have, they have their big can covers. Mm. You know, th- those are these kind of fans. And yeah. I was here for it. Wow. Will they ever shout horrible abuse? <laughs> no, uh actually in Portugal, yes. Okay. But yeah. Cause, yeah, because you see, you, you know me back to that yeah. story. Of where I was <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, for the most part, um, 
hungry with their with their fans. Even the fans that were that were hostile, they wouldn't say nasty things. Yeah. You know, they'll they'll say things pertaining to the game or pertaining to the ref. It was never anything malicious about my about my appearance or about you know attacking my character. And and I think that's why I respected you know playing in Hungary as well. It was actually one of the best cities I played in. I played in Budapest. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the fans were hostile, but the, it was like a, a like a the clean cut version. Okay. In terms of, because um, obviously, actually, no, I won't ask that. That's not fair. Because <laughs> I was going to ask you about what other country would you like to play in, but that's not fair to your current employer. So I'll yeah. maybe ask you that off air. I'll ask you that off air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so let, yeah, let's talk about that, actually. Yeah, let's talk about your, your current team. Um, talk to us about the early um, days and... Um, yeah, how's things going? Yeah, so things are going uh, well right now. Uh, actually, this is my third season over here. So mm. I've been with the same team for three years. They love me so much. They keep bringing me back. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't stop saying no. But, um, yeah, we just started our season. We're in our third game in. Right now we're 2-1. Uh, and one, and we just had a game uh, yesterday, actually, for a French Cup tournament. Okay. Either win or go home. We ended up winning, uh, winning down the stretch in the fourth quarter, so that was pretty good. Uh, we have a new coach who was the assistant coach for the last two years. He's now the head coach, okay. so he's pretty good. He's he knows what he's doing, Coach Wani. And I think you know, so so far so good. I feel like the chemistry is, is is good with the team, and you know, we all have the same goal. We want to win the championship. We want to make it to the finals. And I think that if we keep keep on the same path that we're doing now, and you know, keep competing, that you know, we can have a successful season. It- would you say the mindset of the players are similar to the the players in the US? Or was there a difference? Not at all. Okay. The mindset here, and I think it's because like I don't want to get on that stigma of or that conversation of European basketball versus American basketball. Mm. I feel like you know uh, Europeans here, like for example, one of the girls on when I watch the young girls play, they have girls who've been playing professionally since they were about 15, 16. So they start early, okay. you know, but their mindset isn't, wow, I'm playing this to, to play professional somewhere because technically they're already overseas. Yeah. You know, they're mm. playing professionally. Yeah. You know, sometimes they do have the thing of playing in, in the WNBA, but that only happens if they leave New York to go to college, which is, which is really good. Yeah. And I think that their mindset is they don't have that go-get-it mindset. Now, you do have some players over here who do have their mom mentality who really could go, who... I look at it and be like, wow, okay, let me lace my shoes up for you. Yeah, okay. You have players out there who, who are like that, but I could definitely see see the see the difference in, in, in my in my mindset versus someone who was born here and who's already been playing professionally since before I got here. How are you helping some of the younger players now? Because you said you're soon to be 30. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so you're more more of the um, mature players. So how are you helping the younger players? Um, honestly, well, I have an AU team right now in North New Jersey that I'm I'm partnering with my uh, with my old coaches, Coach Joe Owens, New Jersey team. He Kalu team. He uh, so he's the, working on that now. And that's have you guys ever heard of AU? It's pretty much like yeah, a, um, yeah, exactly. So we do that for basketball, and I want to start doing uh, more camps okay. now. I haven't done one yet because I've always been overseas, but I do want to try to do local camps for the girls because I do feel like it's time for me to give back to my community. You know, sometimes I'm, I try to do things virtual, but I want to be more personal with kids and, and show that, you know, I'm a living testimony. And I actually want to be there to, you know, to touch people and, 
and being able to just for them to see my passion and hear my words. So hopefully in the future I'll start to have camps. Um, and also I'll be going to Nigeria in December, so I'll be able to talk to a few of the uh, kids and folks. You can well. enjoy yourself, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and in terms of um, what's it when you're not playing, is is basketball the only thing on your mind, or do you have other hobbies that you you do? No, um, I actually model as okay. well. And when I say model, I don't just mean the the obviously the Instagram model. I don't do yeah. that. Um, it's nothing wrong with that. Please don't attack me. It's <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that at all. But I, I do uh, fashion shows, runway competitions, and I try to do makeup and hair shows. Yeah. I was I was recently in New York Fashion Week this past summer in in New York City. So that was an amazing thing. I'm I'm pretty sure you guys are are aware of Fashion yeah. Week. Yes. Right. Europe is like the the fashion. Yeah, it's almost the isn't fashion it? world. Yeah. yeah. So it was, that was an amazing experience, and I've been getting more into my modeling. I've been modeling since college, and that's always been like a fun thing to do. I've turned it to more of like a career versus a hobby because I love to do yeah. it, and I'm I'm just getting more into that as well. I do have a uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I do have a Kalu Cosmetics, uh, my cosmetics business that um, I promote for the sports one. Okay. And so when I'm out playing basketball, I do uh, have a life. Thank God. <laughs> yeah because um, when i was going through your instagram page yeah i did see the pictures and i that was i, I did want to ask yeah, if you are actually a model um so how do you how do you balance that how do you how do you balance that how do you ensure that that you're not um getting carried away with one aspect of your life i just try to uh try to stay organized with the list and and kind of create goals for both things kind of create a checklist for for both modeling and basketball, and kind of you know stay neck and neck with what with, with with what I want to achieve on each one of them. And some days I do lag behind. I'm only focused on basketball. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't feel like taking the pictures. Or I don't feel like making the TikToks and the reels. Yeah. But I also have to remember, well, that's that's another way of promoting my brand. Yeah. So then I have to realize, okay, listen, you, you did your practice today. You did your recovery today. Now you can spend at least one an hour or two, you know, trying to perfect things in the modeling. So. Yeah. I just try to make sure I stay organized and stay balanced with the with the schedule or, you know, just some type of notepad to remind myself, listen, okay, maybe you don't spend a lot of time on it, but at least check in on it to know that you gave it some type of attention. Mm. Okay. This is this is my last question to you. When you're retired, what legacy do you want to have left behind in basketball? Um I don't think I figured that out yet. Mm-hmm. And I say that because, like, I don't want to, I don't want to say this cliche thing like, oh, I want that people to remember who I am, blah 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 blah. You know, I don't, I don't know yet. Yeah. Like, I know I want to be wealthy. I know I want to create generational yeah. wealth for myself, yeah. my family, my children. But I don't know. I want people to just remember me for who I was. I don't know what legacy I'm continuing to create. Maybe I'll. Finish my legacy as a basketball player. Maybe I'll finish my legacy as a magician. I just, <laughs> I just don't know. And I feel like that's that's the beauty of things. Like I'm still, you know, playing basketball. I'm still figuring out the model thing. I'm still figuring out other things on the way through. But the only legacy that I know for sure that I want to do is just, you know, stay true to myself and and continue to be unapologetic with me. And whether it's my time or not, I want people to remember that I was known for for that being me. 
Okay. Um, so my last question is basically one of your posts on Instagram. So when I was looking through, there was a really heartfelt post about you being AFA sports ambassador. Can you just speak a little bit about that and, and why it meant so much to you? Yes. Uh, first of all, Alpha Sports is one of the top brands, uh, sports athleisure uh, wear in Nigeria. They're like the Nike of Nigeria. And, you know, to be on such a, an amazing brand as the first woman ambassador was, was amazing, you know. Uh, that was my one of my first sponsorship deals. And, you know, they would always send me things for more on the court and off the court. And just the dynamic that they have and, and what they stood for was like, wow, this is definitely who I am. You know, it, it shows, you know, the strength. It shows the beauty. It shows the athletic side and the feminine side. And the fact that I was able to relate to that brand was just was just amazing. And I, I was it was a blessing to be able to, to work with them and, and be seen in the malls and the stores and, you know, see my face on, on a brand that, that mm. kind of related to who I was as a person. Okay. Um, Ezian, how can people get in contact with you? On Instagram, underscore the Nigerian queen. On Facebook, Esme Kalu Phelps. Or on Twitter, underscore the Niger queen. Yeah. <laughs> Ed, honestly, I'll be honest, mm. yeah. You know this could have gone on for about two hours, yeah. honestly. <laughs> I know got more questions. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so honestly, I've got so so many questions. But yeah, we definitely need to um have you back on because um sure. yeah, we're in for, yeah, I, I haven't finished. I know Ed hasn't finished. No. It's just that we are we're very, very strict on on time. Um but nah, you are definitely coming on. <laughs> you got... I'm excited. Thank you for having me. I actually I feel like I want to commend you, Nathan and Edwin both for like I was telling him before he came on for such an amazing show, an amazing platform to give people, you know, athletes specifically, not just athletes, but people a platform to just talk about their lives, whether it's professional, whether it's overseas or whether, you know, you know, being in the city uh, and just doing something that they love and being able to express, you know, what they're going through because you never know if the next person is yeah. going through that. So I really appreciate you guys for having me on and being able to talk openly and freely about it. And I really appreciate you both. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. yeah, it has. We appreciate you. We just we appreciate your your you know that that elite mindset, mambo mentality. You are like the third or fourth person has mentioned it. So yeah, I think <laughs> seriously, everyone's mentioning it. Yeah. Everyone mentions this. So yeah. it's one of the commonalities on a podcast. So I think yeah, definitely. Um, I need to delve more into it. I've you know been aware of it like everybody else, but I haven't really delved into. So maybe yeah, I think this is the time. Definitely for sure. Sure. yeah all right um guys um again another wonderful podcast honestly i'm smiling wow <laughs> it was such a good podcast the energy was there um i absolutely loved it um yeah if you are a new listener please um welcome and welcome aboard and yeah please just stay here we're just gonna get bigger and better if you are a regular listener f thank you continue to share um guys until next time it's stay healthy stay blessed thanks for having me guys bye bye <laughs>